welcome to Ask Father Josh Johnson, where you submit your questions and Father Josh does his best to answer them. I already, I was going to try to do the introduction for him, but I'm just not as good as him. I no, already you are, you're better it. than me. You, you are, okay. no, you're so much better than finish me. Finish it, finish it. <laughs> if you're first time listening, you can hit up your own questions, comments, and critiques at www.assessionpress.com slash Josh. You can also rate us and review us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and other podcast formats. And you can share us on your social media pages because if your friends see your social media pages promoting the podcast, it might be a gift for them if it is, in fact, and indeed a gift for you as well. And uh, where would you like for them to share their additional comments and questions, Father? At the www.assistionpress.com slash askfatherjosh. If you have any complaints or critiques, send them to ask. Sister Josephine, um, <laughs> as she has a, a URL website. It's it's there, and uh, if you can't find it there, then I'll give you the address to her convent where you can just show up one day and <laughs> complain to her in her face. Uh, but no, we are super excited. Sister Josephine is with us again, having a blast. It's been so good to have you with. Can I just say it's been so good to be together? Yeah, same here. Thank you. It's been fun. You're 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 a good. Friend. I have a glory story. Oh, okay. Well, then, with that being said, today we're going to talk about suffering. But while it's there in your mind, before we get to how the question is. Can we complain when we suffer? And like, how do we offer it up? But before we get to that really great question, sister has a glory story and I don't want her to lose it. So let's play the music and then let's get into it. that glory story okay so the glory story is i guess in a way it relates to the theme father and i were having this like mini debate that i felt like the glory story needed to relate to the theme and he was like no it doesn't have to but it a little bit does Mm -hmm. so i i'm a counselor and i work part-time in a school and then part-time in a private practice and at the school for the past four years I've been handling the counseling needs that come up, right? Mm -hmm. Like if parents need to be accompanied through a specific situation in the family, like supporting it, the mental health realities in it, um, seeing kids individually, holding small counseling groups, and then doing like professional development and education for parents and staff. But in addition to that, I was also teaching the guidance curriculum K through five. And so it was a lot. And a lot of times felt like I was failing at it all. You know, when you do so much, you end up, not doing one thing well. And so for some reason, when my provincial superior would call me and ask me, she's so good when we speak just about asking specifically like how things are going in specific areas. Mm -hmm. And so she would say like, tell me how it's going at the school. And I would always feel like it would be better for me to just celebrate what's great at the school. And I hesitated to share with her that it was hard and that I felt like I wasn't doing anything well. It's because hard out here for a nun. <laughs> really? For those of you who know that song, the, the word he replaced. <laughs> Let's just keep going. Keep going. Um, so, <laughs> Mariah told me to drink more coffee. See what happened when he got some more coffee? Now we out here talking about it's hard out here for a nun. Instead of, okay, Mm -hmm. so um, one day she called me. I had just come back from the seat conference. I was tired, 
And I guess I didn't have the energy, the mental energy to not complain. Mm. And so she called and was like, how's it at the school? And I was, it was like, it's so hard. I was crying. It was like, I'm doing too much. And like, it's, I don't think I'm doing any of it well because I have so much. And she really calmly said, Josephine, you can leave the school and focus just on the private practice. And I actually, as soon as she said it, I didn't feel like that was the right discernment, but me being willing to complain to her, like, and be sincere, more sincere, because mm-hmm. there was great stuff at the school, but I was also struggling, like, unlocked in me the freedom to discern what God might have for me. And so I went back I to it. my principal and my pastor, and I said, look, I shared this with my provincial superior. I'm sharing it with you now. She gave me permission to leave. I'm not sure that's the discernment, but if that is the discernment, I will help you find another school counselor. Like, I'll be a part of the process 100%. Well, my pastor and principal discerned to hire a guidance teacher. Come on. And asked me, like, yeah, who asked me to work with her to, you know, to make sure— that the counselor's developing the curriculum and partner with her. So now we have a guidance teacher. I have the same number of hours at the school, but it's focused solely on counseling. It has been such a joy, the beginning of the school year. And so that's my glory story that I just like was willing to be vulnerable and complain a little bit about how I was suffering versus feeling like I had to hold it in. I love that. I yeah. love that. And there was a lot of great fruit and I'm excited for the year. Yeah. Yeah. And we can't, we can't grow Unless we're being honest, right? And so that if everybody thinks everything's going well all the time, then things that really need to be addressed right. won't be. So right. praise God for that glory story yeah. thing. All right. With that, let's jump into today's show, 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 Welcome show, to the show. So can I complain <laughs> when I am suffering? And so when I first got this question, obviously, again, I, I mentioned this before, I always like to pray the questions. And when I pray, sometimes scriptures come up. I, I typically tend to think through scriptures. Like when I encounter reality, I, I'm drawn to a, a, a story and I'm drawn to a word of God. Mm. And uh, and so the word that I was drawn to was the book of Psalms. Mm. Because in the book of Psalms, we have every different emotion that we could ever imagine, right? There's joyful psalms, there's sorrowful psalms, there's happy psalms, there's sad psalms, there's psalms of distress, there's psalms of complaining, there's psalms where things uh, are hopeful, and there's psalms where things seem like it's pretty much despair. But these are psalms which were prayers that were sung by Jesus Christ, the second person of the Most Holy Trinity. These are psalms that continue to be prayed by the body of Jesus Christ. Every priest, every sister, every deacon, every bishop, every pope, um, and lay people are encouraged to pray these prayers every single day, all throughout the day, morning, noon, and night. Every single mass has the psalms. And so, yes, so King David, when he wrote some of the psalms, some of the psalms he wrote, he's complaining in them. But who is he complaining to? He's complaining to God. 
He's not just having a, a, a pity party where all he's doing is going around town telling everybody how upset he is about his about his life, about his circumstances, about his situation. Is he's making his prayer, he's making his complaining into a prayer to God, and God can handle it, right? God and, and and he's open to God speaking back to him in the psalm as well. And so I was first drawn to King David, which I think you're, it looks like you have your psalms open. Do you have a psalm you want to read? Yeah. But. I mean, Psalm 3, O Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising up against me and many are saying of me, there is no help for him in God. So he's being mocked for his faith. So don't be fake in prayer. Like and whenever things are going about bad that. Yeah. in your life, don't go to the chapel and Ignore the fact that you're suffering right now, yeah. that you're hurting right now, that Psalm you're 13. grieving. Psalm, yeah, Psalm 13. How long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I bear pain in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? I remember once, Father, that um, we, had a, we have a sister in our community. Her name is Sister Barbara Francis, and she's just... Her ability to conduct Bible studies, it's excellent. Like she had a Bible study every Thursday during the year, during the daytime, like from nine to 11 at our convent. And there would be 45 people there. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, this is just how faithfully. So she's just a great teacher of the word, you know, Mm. to help people like reflect on the word. And um, she was holding a Psalms class with me and Sister Faustina one day. So she was responsible for providing us a class on the Psalms over several weeks. And she asked us one day, she said, are you comfortable with the complaining, you know, that you see in the Psalms? Do you Mm. think that it's okay or do you think it's a problem? And Faustina and I actually, Faustina and I actually got in an argument about that that day because sister was like, no, I don't think that she said she didn't think it was right for there to be complaining in the Psalms and that when we start to complain to God, like it's not right, we've lost faith. And my answer to sister Barbara Francis was like, I actually really love it. Like I love that, um, in the Psalms, like the prayer is sincere, that they're willing to complain before God. And so she started to argue with me. And in the argument, I became not my best self. And I looked at her and I said, well, Sister Faustina, why don't we just turn, you know, all of the Psalms into like, uh, you know, into a Christian, like a Christian pop song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she said, okay, I see you're not. But even to your point with like worship music today, and this is, I don't want to get off track too much, but with worship, like praise music today, so the Psalms were the music of, right. of their day. Right. This is what they sung about. Yeah. A lot of the praise and worship music today is all this like super. Very positive. Very yeah. positive, emotional, but like about like how much I love you, oh Lord, which is good. But the Psalms were like, Lord, I'm struggling with you right now. They were real life. It was real life. And the Psalms yeah. give us permission. It's like, all right, if you are upset and you don't know the words that you can express to God because you don't want to offend God, then open up the Bible and read the word that he's given us. Because that's the word that Jesus Christ himself prayed every day. Even yeah. on the cross, he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That was a psalm. Into your hands, Lord, Father, I commend my spirit. That is a psalm. So even on his deathbed, the prayers that he was reciting and his suffering— we're Psalms. Yeah, and I feel like, I guess it's my mind, I guess guidance to anyone who is suffering greatly 
to like take along with you the Psalms. If you could even find like a little small pocket version that you could stick in your pocket to like go back to them. I think the great gift of the Psalms is that we can be assured we are not the only ones uh, who have suffered or will suffer because even then there was great, great suffering. Um, And so what I hear in like what you've said, Father, is this kind of like delineation with where and how we complain. Like you mentioned, like going all over town. Right. And so then it's like it's like, how am I complaining? And so there's like productive making a productive complaint. And then there's making a not very productive complaint. So Twitter might be a not not so productive productive complaint. right? Right. It's a it's a maladaptive coping skill. Right. Mm Because every time someone hits that little heart, you get a little boost of dopamine in your brain. Uh So you feel physically, you feel a physiological, you get a physiological break from the discomfort of suffering when we make that complaint online and it gets likes and comments affirming us. But it actually may not be the most productive avenue to make your complaint, right? So if you're in a relationship that's causing suffering, the most productive place to make that complaint is to the person. Is to the person and also before the person, like to the Lord in prayer oh, course, so yeah. that you can receive from the Lord like what's best to be said there. Um mm-hmm. and so yeah, I think to say like we're saying absolutely it's okay to complain totally. when you're suffering, but then like to ask the question, like am I doing this in a productive way? That's going to bring me to the Lord because what I love about the lament, the Psalms that are Psalms of lament, I don't think there's a single Psalm of lament, right? So they're lamenting Psalms, like they're all complaining. I don't think there's a single Psalm of lament that ends without proclaiming trust in God. Um, I don't know. Let me think. Yeah, there might be, hold on. There was, (laughs) no, there there, there really might be a, uh, because I remember, hold on. I want to find it real quick. I do think there is a psalm that ends without trusting God. Where it, it's just like it. My situation is terrible, and it ends with that. It drops the um, mic. It does, yeah. And and that one because I had a woman I was walking with one time, and um, she oh maybe it's this one. I cry, incline your ear to my cry for my soul. All right, all right. Here it is. Yeah. So Psalm eighty eight. Okay. I'm gonna read it to you. And I I, I gave Psalm eighty eight to uh, a friend of mine who. She literally had so much suffering happen in her life. Mm-hmm. It was crazy. Um, and I, I, I pray for this woman still to this day because of, of the suffering. She lost a spouse and, and, and children and grandchildren mm. back to back to back to back to back within the context of 12 months. It was so painful. It was, it, she was like Job. And again, mm. Job complaining too, right, to God. All right, so this is what Psalm 88 says. Oh, Lord, my God, I call for help by day. I cry out in the night before you. Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry, for my soul is full of troubles. My life draws near to Sheol. I am reckoned among those who go down to the pit. I am a man who has no strength, like one forsaken among the dead, like the slain that lie in their grave, like those whom you remember no more, for they are cut off from your hand. You have put me in the depths of the pit, in the regions dark and deep. Your wrath lies heavy upon me, and you overwhelm me with all your waves. You have caused my companions to shun me. You have made me a thing of horror to them. I am shut in so that I cannot escape. My eye grows dim through sorrow. Every day I call upon you, O Lord. I spread out my hands to you. Do you work wonders for the dead? Do the shades rise up to praise you? Is your mercy declared in the grave? Are your faithfulness in Abaddon? Are your wonders known in the darkness? Are your saving help in the land of forgetfulness? But I, O Lord, cry to you. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. 
O Lord, why do you cast me off? Why do you hide your face from me? Afflicted and close to death from my youth, I suffer your terrors. I am helpless. Your wrath has swept over me. Your dread of souls destroy me. They surround me like a flood all day long. They close in upon me together. You have caused loved ones and friends to shun me, and my companions are in darkness. And then it stops. And what I love about that mm-hmm. is that sometimes we're in seasons of suffering for a while, and we don't have to get better by the time we're done praying. Like some people are like, well, you're suffering, go pray about it, it'll get better. Like, mm. no. It might not get better anytime soon. And so it's okay to sit with God in the frustration and sit with God in the in the pain, sit with God in the angst. And, and the Lord's okay to wait with us right there. And it delights the Lord for us to bring our complaints to Him. Mm-hmm. Like I think sometimes we feel like we have to show up before the Lord polished up, you know, and ready to, you know, all these, you know, these awful sayings that folks have coined that they've become— they become trite, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, we think we have to show up polished up, offering it up, whatever, you know. And I, I would say all of those complaints in the Psalms brought before the Lord, like made the Lord glad. Mm-hmm. Because even when we come before the Lord complaining, it indicates a trust and awareness that the Lord is the Lord. And, and, and to yeah. your point, when people say offered up, I think what the, the way we offer it up, the way we suffer well, right, mm-hmm. um, is by being with God in it. When Jesus Christ was suffering on the cross, when he was suffering uh, mentally in the Garden of Gethsemane, mm-hmm. in St. John Paul the Great, he, he wrote as, as Pope that, that Jesus Christ experienced mental illness in the Garden of Gethsemane whenever he began to sweat the mm-hmm. blood from his forehead. So when he experienced that kind of suffering, when he suffered emotionally, when his friends abandoned him, denied him, betrayed him, when he suffered physically, when he was spit upon, cursed, I would say he experienced sexual abuse too because he was stripped naked, which is a form mm, of sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. So he stripped naked. So Jesus Christ suffered in every way possible that we could suffer. And the way that he offered it up was he continued to remain in relationship with the Father, right? He, he, he never stopped praying for others. He never stopped talking to God. And in the midst of his suffering— he shows us how to suffer well because he focused on other people who are still in, who are also suffering too. He did not exist as if he is the only one suffering. His mother was suffering watching this happen. His mother mm-hmm. was going to suffer further, not having someone to take care of her. So he took care of her and her suffering. He took care of John. He took care of Dismas, the good thief on the cross. And so I think there's an invitation for us to imitate Jesus Christ. And when we're going through it, to give it to the Father, right? Father, like, I'm upset. To offer it as an oblation on the altar to be transformed. Yeah, sacrifice, yeah. And I think sometimes we start to say these things so quickly to people who are suffering that it's not said with a mind on the gravity of it, you know? So to Mm -hmm. offer it up is to, like, place this thing on the altar because as his gift. decision to suffer as to remain gift. in suffering yeah. opened heaven for us. But so I think our, sometimes yeah. our decision to like unite our suffering to his while we're in the midst of the oomph, like it it brings about um, it transformation for our community. Absolutely, but I think sometimes it can fall out of our mouths in really trite ways. Oh, too soon. Yeah, oh, it can totally. just fall out of our mouths in totally. really trite ways and and not yeah not provide access to that type of meeting you're talking about. Mm-hmm. There's something else that comes to mind for me too. Like when I saw this question and I don't know, when I saw this question, my mind went straight to like, what what kind of suffering are we talking about? Like, are we talking oh, about, let's go there. Um, are we talking about suffering that's like, 
Um, especially I'll see this sometimes when I'm working with young adults where like we manufacture our suffering. Come on now. So like there's suffering that has come throughout the course of life. The reason there's suffering in the world is because sin entered the world. And so it's a part of God's permissive will because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. It doesn't have the final say. And when we offer it, we unite it to the Paschal mystery of Christ so that it can be a part of the fruits of the resurrection on the last day, right? Mm -hmm. And so that kind of suffering, you know, it is given meaning in the life of Jesus. And then there's this suffering that we manufacture, yes. right? When we get kind of, what's that heresy that says, like, I can save myself according to my merits? Which heresy is that? I remember. Okay. <laughs> I don't remember which one You've it is. You've been recording this morning. But it's <laughs> one, of the, one of the major heresies that the church had to refute. And it was this idea that, like, oh, I'm the Jansenist? Is probably yeah. Jansenism, yeah, that I'm, saved according to my merits. And so sometimes we can start to manufacture suffering. And I'll see it often in young women preparing to have their first child. Mm. They come in with their birth plan and their birth plan is predicated on suffering well. Mm -hmm. You know, and they're telling everybody, I'm going to suffer well as I'm having my baby. Give me your prayer intentions so that I can suffer for you, right? And they've put together this plan on how they're going to suffer well, but it was like manufactured on on the personal level, on the human level, and may not have been like received according to the will of God. So what you're saying is, is just, just so we're clear, because I, I know a lot of our listeners have done natural births where in the midst of like the natural birth, they, they will suffer well. But what you're saying is that as opposed to them being open to the option of a natural birth, to be open to the option of no epidural, to be open to the option of with epidural, to be open to the option of going to a, a hospital, they're stuck on one way. And when, stuck and, on and one when way that one way is not, doesn't turn out, like it's like the baby's not coming this way, then they get upset and say like, well, and persist. And now right? I'm, I'm, I'm suffering. And, and the suffering is like, the, well, if you're, if you're open to all of the above, then that suffering wouldn't. Is that what you're getting at? I'm not saying that because when we come with that plan, like it's gonna, there's gonna be suffering when we come with I think that we plan. Be open to all the above, right? Though. But when we come with that plan, like reality is a revelation. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and one of my sisters said, like the will of God is what's happening to you. Like the will of God is what we've got in the present moment. And so I've seen folks. The will of God is being revealed that this baby needs to come into the world in another way. And they won't do it. And they will not accept the suffering of surrendering the plan. Mm, mm. Like, right, this is the suffering to surrender the plan and maybe surrender whatever shame and guilt I have that it didn't work out that way, mm -hmm. you know, and and maybe like, yeah, to like move into this other narrative and this other story of how this child is going to come into the world. That's one example. But I'll see it often with young, like with young adults, like this manufacturing our suffering. Well, I see suffering in general as a pastor with just people who want to be a victim. And people who, when, when, I'm saying, I'm sorry, like there is a, a thing I, I see in, in the world today where we have a, a beautiful gift in our church's history of saints who really suffered for the faith, yeah. who were persecuted, who were martyred. Yeah. Um, and, and they suffered so beautifully, right? It wasn't easy, um, but they persevered at least in the very end, right? Um, there's real suffering happening in China right now where the church is actually being persecuted and there is an underground church. There, there's real suffering that we've experienced um, in our church. And then there's people who act like they're being persecuted 
when it's really probably more like unfairness or discomfort. Yeah. And so like, it's, I, I want to ask that question sometimes. Is this a persecution or is this like unfairness and discomfort? And I think social media, which we'll, we have an episode it's, on that yeah. too, I think with us all being able to connect, um, have an illusion of connection uh, around discomfort and unfairness when so many people can connect on that common unfairness or that common discomfort, we can quickly rally that into a, a perceived persecution and suffering. And so I just think it's so yeah. important when we're there's like so much to suffering discern. on the yeah. local level too. I mean, this is yeah. my, as a as a pastor in the geographical boundaries of my community. There's I have more than enough suffering not only in my own life but in the lives of my people that my bishop has entrusted me to accompany. That I'm not even always aware of the suffering happening around the world. And then sometimes I'll receive a message from somebody, why haven't you addressed this, X, whatever? Yeah. I'm like, because I wasn't aware of it. You know, I wasn't yeah. aware of it because I have people in my neighborhood who are suffering that I'm focusing on. I'm so sorry that I'm not on social media all day long because in the in other areas of the church, we, didn't, we weren't aware of what's going on all the time. That's true. Like modern media, modern media has created some connections that can be helpful. Like it's good when we pray, you know, when there's hurricanes and things like Correct. that. But I do think it's got a double edge. Like there's goods and then there's temptations. And I think sometimes we can take um, an unpleasant experience and because of media or, or group think, like turn that into a full scale persecution yeah. when it might not be. And so when the question came up, I thought that's an important discernment too. like, is this suffering of my own manufacturing or is it being permitted by the permissive will of God? And then if it's the permissive or active will of God, then do I make my complaint in a productive way, which yeah. is like to a spiritual director, to a therapist, to a couple of close friends, and then of course to the Lord. Yeah. And so it's absolutely okay to complain during suffering in a you know, in a productive way and absolutely to the Lord because it delights the heart of the Father when his children come to him Correct. with all of the circumstances of our life. Amen. Amen. All right. With that being said, let's go ahead and take a break. And when we come back, we're gonna talk about our our saint for the day who did suffer a lot. Hello, my name is Father Mark Toops, author of the Rejoice Advent Meditation Series. And if this Advent you're looking for a peaceful encounter with God, I invite you to order a copy of Rejoice, an Advent pilgrimage into the heart of Scripture, year B. You can find out more at rejoiceprogram.com. God bless you. And we are back. Don't forget you can. Do you, you want to try this again? Okay. Um, don't forget to share your comments or additional questions with us at ascensionpress.com slash askfatherjosh. Right. And also you can like or subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. How'd I do? That was amazing. Yay! That was actually really, really good. <laughs> I think that's great. Um, you are a gift. You are a gift, Father. All right. Uh, so, saint for the day. So, I guess... Since, oh, since my saint, I get to, you get to do the ask saint. you questions. Okay, so this is a saint uh, who was a wife and a mother. A wife and a mother, Maria Taji? Am I saying that Anna right? Maria Taji, no, but we will be seeing her soon. We could tell people about that later at a later date. Uh, it was not Anna Maria Taji, the great mystic. Uh, this is a wife and a mother who, who actually lost 
a number of children. Zelly Martin lost. Zelly and Louis Martin. Again. They yeah. did, yes. Uh, but it's not them as well. So, uh, it, which is also something, the gift of the saints, right? That whenever we have friends on earth who've ex- who are experiencing, whether it's infertility or a loss of children, we have a number of saints they can relate to and talk Absolutely. to about that. Um, and I'll give you one last clue. This is a saint who not only lost children, was a wife and a mother, but she also um, was a martyr. Okay, so a martyr. So not Gianna. Not Gianna Muller. No. Who is it? Her name is St. Magdalena of Korea. All right, so St. Magdalena of South Korea. Uh, so she was, again, a wife and a mother. She and her husband, they had their first daughter. Uh, and after their first daughter, they they lost their second child, uh, their third child, mm. their fourth child, their fifth child, their sixth child, seventh, eighth, ninth, and tenth. They lost nine children in a, in a row. So we talk about grief. Um, and and suffering that she and her husband experienced in their marriage. Say her name again, Father. Saint Magdalena uh, of South of Korea. Korea. Mm-hmm. She's also her full name is Saint Magdalena Son Sobiok. Um, and so um, yeah, so she was 1800s. How was she martyred? So what had happened was is after she lost nine children in a row, her and her husband conceived and brought to full term a baby, mm-hmm. a daughter. And her oldest daughter also got married and conceived a child. And so now she and her oldest daughter were raising babies together. It was mm-hmm. re- really beautiful. Um, but then as, as they were, the church was being persecuted uh, because they were such faithful Catholics and they were prominent Catholics in their community, um, they were to be abducted, um, to, to be tortured and killed. And they both knew, they said, we know we love the Lord, and we love the church, and we know we would never apostatize. Mm-hmm. However, if if we go to prison with our babies and they do anything to our children, we might apostatize. Sure. And so we don't want to have the option of of apostatizing. And so they gave their two daughters up to okay. other family members. And so even though she was finally able to have a child and bring that child to full term, she she lost that child as well because she gave it up to family members for other people to raise. And so she and her daughter together were martyred, and they encouraged each other during their torture and during their martyrdom. And she's um, Saint Magdalena? She is Saint. Or blessed? No, she's a full, full-blown saint. Because saint because of the martyrdom, yeah. Saint Magdalena of South Korea. Yeah, and so is, I think, her daughter Barbara. Her daughter Barbara also might be a canonized saint as well. I'm not sure. So let me see her. Let's see. Blessed John Cho Chang Kyung. There's a bunch of them. It's really beautiful. I just love that. I love families of saints. But uh, yeah, so she is a saint. Uh, and so, oh yeah, so her oldest daughter is St. Barbara. Okay. So her daughter is a canonized saint. Uh, her daughter's husband, St. Charles, is a saint as well. And so there's a number of, of saints in their family. But again, it's just the whole point of that. She had a lifetime of suffering, you know, right? Um, and some of us are going to suffer a lot. The Lord Jesus Christ in the gospel, he says, if you were to be my disciple, you ought to. You have to pick up your cross and follow me. And what that would have meant in the time when he said it to his uh, apostles was martyrdom, right? Because the cross was death. Like the cross, like that's like saying pick up your gas chamber or pick up your electric chair and follow me. It mm. meant death. Um, and so for them to hear that, what they heard was, if we follow you, we will die. And they did die. John, they tried to kill, but he just survived. But all of his uh, original apostles, uh, they they died. They were martyred. Um, Christ has conquered death. He has conquered death. Mm-hmm. And, but the only way to the resurrection is the crucifixion. And so even though St. Magdalena of South Korea suffered um, heavy crosses throughout her life, and many crosses throughout her life, um, because uh, of her fidelity to Christ, 
crucified, she's now experiencing the joy of the resurrection, right? St. Magdalena. We invite you to, to pray, pray for, for us. us. Till next time, see you in the Eucharist. God bless.